Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our trade deadline special. We're recapping uh, a pretty busy trade deadline. Um, if you're looking for the biggest of names to have moved, that didn't quite happen. Uh, there's some surprise teams that didn't make much noise, if any noise, at the trade deadline. But there's still a lot of moves made. Uh, a lot of teams got better. A lot of teams, maybe we have some question marks about what they're doing. But um, we'll get into that in just a moment. First of all, I'm your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show, uh, or welcome back to the show, both previous listeners Brand new listeners alike, we just want to express our appreciation. Thank you for tuning in. Joining me uh, on a Thursday this time around, again, because it's our trade deadline special, my uh, co-host and good friend, Wyatt. How are you doing today, Wyatt? I'm doing good, Karsten. Life is all right. Yeah, I, I feel that as well. Life's, you know, we're, we're hanging in there. Um, I mentioned it, I believe, once or twice on the podcast, um, my line of work at the moment uh, we're in our busy season with uh valentine's so that has been interesting uh, some longer days at work but otherwise things are good you know can't can't complain too much um as far as the structure of today's episode basically we're gonna run through all the transactions uh one by one kind of just rapid fire get you all the details or at least um as you know the clearest details we have from both the NBA's official sources as well as ESPN, Adrian Wojnarowski in particular. Of course, he does such a great job at that. Um, we'll run through all the transactions um, and you know where players went, and then we will go through kind of team by team, the teams that were involved at the deadline, which moves, you know, what the net result is, who they added, who they lost, and we'll just do a quick grade and a couple sentences on how we feel the team ended up, you know, did they get better? Did they get worse? What are some questions going forward? That type of thing. We'll have a couple other comments at the end as far as uh, buyout market and new free agents. Um, but to start, let's go ahead and dive right into those transactions. Um, I guess you could call it kind of our key news for this episode. So let's use that audio drop. Why not? All right. Some of these transactions, these first three are technically from the very end of last night, which was kind of where the trade deadline action really started. Um, and it started with Utah, actually. Of course, uh, us as jazz fans uh, note, took note of this. Um, no pun intended there. But Utah started off by sending <laughs> Simone Fontecchio to the Detroit Pistons in exchange for Kevin Knox, the draft rights to Gabriel uh, or Gab. Yeah, Gabriel Persida and a 2024 second round pick. Now that pick is going to be the most favorable of either either Washington or Memphis. So um, slight advantage there that it's most favorable instead of least favorable there. Um, next, the Memphis Grizzlies sent uh, Xavier Tillman big to Boston in exchange for Lamar Stevens, a 2027 second round pick via Atlanta and a 2030 second-round pick via Dallas. So Memphis giving up more front-court depth, interestingly enough, but kind of banking more future, getting some more draft assets. Uh, interesting move for the Grizzlies there. Then Detroit got started in a busy trade deadline for them, their first move. 
They sent Monte Morris to the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., and a 2030 second round pick. The Timberwolves wanted to get a backup point guard. They got that, gave up um, their other backup guard as well as a, a backup wing in Troy Brown. Uh, the Indiana Pacers said Buddy Heald. This is maybe the biggest move or one of the biggest moves. Buddy Heald goes to Philadelphia in exchange for Marcus Morris, Furkan Korkmaz, and three second-round picks. Hefty price tag, uh, especially as far as the draft capital goes. Worth noting that Indiana is reportedly planning to waive Furkan Korkmaz. So uh, Heald for Morris, as far as the logistics go there. Heald, a big asset for a Sixers team that needed some three-point shooting. Then we go back to Utah. They sent Kelly Olenek and Ochai Agbaji to Toronto in exchange for Otto Porter Jr., Kira Lewis Jr., and a 2024 first-round pick, uh, getting a nice uh, first-rounder. Worth noting, that is the least favorable of Houston, the Clippers, the Jazz, or the Thunder. So uh, a slight caveat there. And I get confused on this one. We'll mention it with a later transaction, but um, Raptors get uh, Olenek, who's versatile, they get Agbaji, younger guard. Um, I don't know, for both sides, kind of a, a wash in some ways, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, Philadelphia 76ers send forward Daniel House Jr., 2024 second round pick via New York, and cash considerations to the Detroit Pistons in exchange for a 2028 second round pick. Um, also Detroit reportedly planning to waive Daniel house jr. So he'll become a free agent and essentially just pick swaps, uh, clearing up cap space for Philadelphia. Uh, another big move, perhaps the other biggest move, Charlotte sent Gordon Hayward to the Oklahoma city thunder in exchange for Trey Mann, Davis Bertans, uh, Vasily, uh, Michich. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I, I plan to look up the pronunciation, forgot to do that before we started, um, anyways, uh, draft compensation as well. So big package to get Gordon Hayward to the Thunder. And then the Thunder weren't quite done there. They also sent a 2024 first round pick, which also had the note of least favorable of Houston, the Clippers, the Jazz, or the Thunder. The same same note attached to that Jazz pick that they received from Toronto. So I'm not sure if they're related at all, if they're the same pick, if they just happen to have the same ties to the pick but anyways they sent a first round pick in 2024 to dallas in exchange for a 2028 pick swap then dallas turned around and sent that 2024 first round pick along with rashawn holmes to the washington wizards to receive daniel gafford bolstering their front court a little bit not the only move they made as far as that goes then back to detroit they sent Bayan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks to the New York Knicks in exchange for Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, Ryan Archidiakono, two second round picks and cash considerations. Again, big price tag, four players, two second rounders, but they bring in some big scoring help for their second unit. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets send Spencer Dinwiddie to Toronto exchange, in exchange for Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young. Toronto reportedly planning to waive Dinwiddie, so essentially clearing out all players involved in the transaction. Brooklyn adds a couple of guys. Dinwiddie becomes perhaps the marquee uh, newest free agent addition from today's trade deadline moves. Uh, the Hornets again sent 
P.J. Washington to the Dallas Mavericks in exchange for Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a 2027 first-round pick. Again, Washington with Gafford bolstering the Dallas front court. Then a three-team deal, the only three-team deal we had uh, between Phoenix, Memphis, and Brooklyn. Phoenix received Royce O'Neal from Brooklyn and David Roddy from Memphis. The Grizzlies received Yudu Watanabe from Phoenix, uh, as well as Chemezi Metu from Phoenix, and a pick swap. Not sure where the pick uh, swap was from, either Phoenix or Brooklyn. And then the Nets received Jordan Goodwin from the Suns, Bates Diop from the Suns, and three second-round picks. Again, not clear where those picks came from, either from Phoenix or from Memphis. Next, the Philadelphia 76ers sent Patrick Beverly to Milwaukee, the Bucks, in exchange for Cameron Payne and a 2027 second-round pick. Uh, so swapping point guards, Milwaukee adds a little bit of defense. The San Antonio Spurs send Doug McDermott to Indiana, the Pacers, in exchange for Marcus Morris Sr., who was in that previous trade, the Buddy Hill trade, and a 2029 second-round pick via the Clippers. Also worth noting, the Spurs reportedly planning to buy out Marcus Morris. Again, he'll become a top candidate in the buyout market. The Milwaukee Bucks send Robin Lopez to the Sacramento Kings in exchange for cash considerations. The Kings reportedly planning to waive Lopez. I said this to Wyatt. Don't get those types of moves. I guess it clears up you know, salary space for Milwaukee, but what does Sacramento get out of it? Um, trade exception, maybe. I'm not sure exactly how that works. But anyways, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers send Jaden Springer to the Celtics in exchange for a second-round pick. Then, right after that, Boston sent uh, Delano Banton to the Portland Trailblazers in exchange for a second-round pick. So uh, Boston just kind of swapped Springer for Banton um, and got a slightly worse draft pick, I believe. Then finally, the Golden State Warriors sent uh, Corey Joseph to the Indiana Pacers in exchange for a second-round pick and cash considerations. Pacers reportedly planning to waive Corey Joseph. That was the last of the trades themselves. Other footnotes, um, buyouts slash waived players during this whole time. Troy Pistons bought out Joe Harris, released Killian Hayes, and waived Danilo Gallinari, so another set of players Detroit gave up. Memphis waived guard Victor Oladipo, who was involved in a trade um, within the last week or so. The Brooklyn Nets waived uh, big man Harry Giles III, and the Charlotte Hornets waived guard James Booknight. So that is the total transactions from this last uh, day or so. 20 of the 30 teams in the NBA were involved in trades. It might have been one or two more, actually, but... Um, for sure, Sacramento was technically involved, didn't really have a net gain or loss outside of some um, financial and, and cap ramifications. But those were the moves. Now we're going to talk about the 19 teams that had significant players gained and lost and, and draft capital gained and lost. And again, the way we'll do this is I'll run through. Here's who they brought in. Who's they, who's Here's who they lost. And I'll kind of bounce it to Wyatt first. You know, your quick thoughts on a grade on these moves. Do they get better or worse? Um, a quick sentence where it helps them out. I'll do kind of the same. And we'll just go, go through these teams um, fairly quickly, I think. Um, starting with Philadelphia, the 76ers. Again, the big one. They brought in Buddy Heald. They also brought in Cameron Payne. And three second round picks in exchange. They lost Pat Bev. 
Marcus Morris, Daniel House, Jaden Springer, Furkan Korkmaz, um, a 2024 first and three second round picks. So they came out, excuse me, slightly worse in the draft capital category. And they lost more players, but they brought in three-point shooting. Wyatt, what are your thoughts on this overall move? Um, I think they got a little bit better as far as like this season. You know, Betty Hield definitely mm. brings in that three-point shooting that I that you talked about. And I they lost Marcus Morris, who I, I like, but you know, mm. they're pretty they got a good front court already, so and Embiid. Yeah. As far as a grade goes, quick thought, quick, you know, first thoughts, what would you give as far as a grade? Like, are we grading like A through F? Yeah, we'll do letter grade. You can do minus plus if you want to get that fine-tuned with mm, it. I'll give them like a B minus. Okay. I don't think I, they got significantly better, but. Yeah, that was kind of going to be my thought. I think Beverly was a good guy for, you know, the. The intangibles, but more importantly, the defense, of course. Heald yeah. is a great addition, but gave up a lot. Um, yeah, they did. So, yeah, B we're minus is kind of where I go. We're calling C even, right? Like, they, yeah, they C, gained as much as they lost. Or yeah, C would be net neutral. So, okay, they got perfect. a little better. Yeah. But, anyways, uh, Milwaukee, not a huge set of moves. Again, they added Patrick Beverly. They lost Cameron Payne. They gave up Brooke Lopez, and they lost a 2027 second-round pick. Uh, what? What are your thoughts here? C-minus. I think, I think it was a little bit C-minus. Yeah. Mm. But Patrick Beverly, I think, is – I think he, he's a good uh, defensive guard that they kind of needed. Mm. So yeah, fair enough. I would probably – yeah, I would actually go B-minus on this. Just because as much as I advocate for and love Cameron Payne, Pat Bev is a better point guard, but also he fits a need for Milwaukee. They've been offensively focused. They needed more defense. They gave up Lopez. He hasn't been a big part of the rotation. Um, they give up draft capital, so that hurts it a lot. But I think Beverly for Payne is going to be you know, a, a solid move for them. I think it helps them out um, a lot there. So... Yeah, there's Milwaukee. Let's talk Boston. Again, they added Xavier Tillman and Jaden Springer uh, and a second-round pick as well, but they lost Lamar Stevens, Delano Banton, and three second-round picks. Wyatt, your thoughts on this one? I'll give it a B. Okay. I think I think Tillman's good for him. Uh, they definitely lost more picks than they gained, but not that many more. Yeah. And, yeah, no, I, I mean, they lost a little bit of draft capital, but I I kind of really like this move a lot. I'd go as high as B-plus here because, yeah, Tillman, I like him a lot. I think he helps out the the front court depth for them. And then Jaden Springer has been an underrated player, former G League MVP. Um, so he has a chance to be a nice, you know, 10th, 11th guy off the bench, good spot minutes as a kind of combo guard. So I like that move a lot. Lamar Stevens, uh, you know, is a good player, but again, Tillman's better. Um, Banton, for me, is a little bit of an unknown quantity. So kind of a, you know, not a huge loss in that sense of it. But um, by the way, I wanted to add a note to the the Buddy Heald thing. Again, the Sixers were something like a bottom half 
team in three-point shooting or at least number threes made, something to that effect. And Heald, since Heald has entered the league, only Steph Curry has made more three-pointers. Remarkable wow. stat. So that'll definitely be a big help for them. Uh, anyways, back to the point. Memphis Grizzlies, busy day for them. They added Yuta Watanabe, Chemezi Metu, Lamar Stevens. Um, they added a decent amount of front court guys. They added a couple second round picks and a pick swap. Lost Tillman. They waived Oladipo. Lost uh, a younger guard and David Roddy. Wyatt, what are your thoughts here as far as Memphis is concerned? Um, didn't they also lose Stephen Adams? Or are we calling that? I mean, that's that was older, I guess, and he hasn't been playing anyway. Yeah, that was technically a little more than it was about a week ago. Um, yeah. So you could do a grade for okay. without and with if you, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, either way, I'm going to give him like a D, D plus maybe. Ooh, not a fan. No. I mean, they lost Tillman and Oladipo. Hmm. And not yeah. that they're like contenders <clears throat> this year anyway, but. Yeah. I would probably lean more C minus or C in the sense that it's not a terrible idea to make, you know, to keep a future, you know, draft situation afloat and to add picks, even if you have, you know, a, a core that was in playoff contention as recently as last season. Um, yeah. Injuries have been, you know, Morant especially, but also the roster as a whole. They've had so many injuries, it's ridiculous. So, you know, there, there you can argue both sides of it. With Oladipo, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy for the longest time. And I yeah. feel bad for him because he's a great guy and a great player as well. Um, but that value just gets lost more and more every year because he doesn't ever play so it becomes less of well you're losing Oladipo it's like well are you losing Oladipo you're losing shades of Oladipo um so yeah Tillman's a big loss that's where I'd definitely go C at the highest if not C minus but um I don't know it's interesting um front courts where they've been hurt the most and then they give that up this season kind of feels like a white flag for the season like whatever we're just gonna see what we can do next year next couple of years building for near future. We have draft assets to work with and trades in the future. So we'll see what happens. Um, (laughs) Excuse me. Next, the Charlotte Hornets busy day for them as well. They added uh, Grant Williams, Trey Mann, Seth Curry, Davis Bertans, Vasile Micic, 2027 first round pick and other draft compensation lost some big names, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington, James James Booknight in there as well. Um, again, Williams, perhaps more likely though, Seth Curry, Bertans, these are guys that could be names in the buyout market. Um, with that being said, why your thoughts on the Hornets here? Um, I call it like a C minus. Okay. I think that uh, I mean, definitely they lost more than they gained as far as uh performance this year Mm. but they're not doing anything crazy this year so i think securing some uh you know picks and some basic basically the opportunity to market uh get rid of these some of these guys and 
set yourself mm-hmm. up for next year is good. Yeah. And it's interesting. I'm, I'd be curious to see which of these guys they brought in are expiring contracts. Cause that could yeah. be a big difference. If suddenly they had cap space next summer and it's like, Hey, we've got Lamella ball. We've got, you know, a promising rookie in Brandon Miller. We've got miles bridges who had a great year. You know, we have pieces to build around. You have new ownership could be interesting, but yeah, I would go probably um, C plus for the upside of it. You know, it feels, I think it's better for Charlotte. They've been in that weird gray area, you know, that Chicago has been stuck in for a, a while as well, where they're not really a play in team where they slip into the play in sometimes other times they're um, bad, but they're not one of the worst teams in the East. So committing, giving up some of the better talent to potentially give yourself options for the future, I think can be a good move. So I'd give them more kind of C plus as far as that goes. Um, Okay, next team. Hot button issue here. For us, this is much more, um, you know, a personal attached team. Utah Jazz (laughs) added Otto Porter Jr., Kira Lewis Jr., Kevin Knox a second draft rights to Gabriel Persida, 2024 first-round pick, 2024 second-round pick. They lost Kelly Olenek, Simone Fontecchio, Ochaag Baji. Wyatt, your thoughts? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go C-minus again, almost D-plus. Okay. Um, I feel like they lost more than they gained, similar to the Hornets. Kind of mm. more of a setting themselves up for next season thing. But they're more of a contender contender this year than the Hornets. Not that they're playing, you know, not that they're right up there in the top group. Yeah, but, they're, they're closer. Uh, they're closer, yeah. So that's a little frustrating to mm. lose some key pieces um, of their bench squad that have been pretty decent performers for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would kind of agree, and I would go D- minus as well. Um, I feel like they could have got more for Olenek, especially if they had found a team that was more competitive, that was looking for that kind of veteran leadership. Um, Fontecchio, I liked what he had done. I know he's older, and he, as far as timeline, he doesn't fit that. And then Agbaji was a younger guy who had, who had promise. I feel like we lost great guys and didn't get the right pieces in return. I'm not. I'd go D, honestly. I'm really struggling with this trade, but who knows? We'll see. Of course, Danny Ainge has a great front office, front office reputation. We'll have to see how it all pans out. Um, next, this is one of the big discussions. The New York Knicks made a big move, really just one big transaction. They added Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from the Pistons. They lost Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, Ryan Archdiakono, two second-round picks. They lost a little bit of the draft future. And some of the, um, you know, eighth man onwards, the deeper bench, but they bring in two uh, solid scorers. Wyatt, your thoughts here for New York? Yeah, I want to give it like a B or a B plus even. Uh, I think I think the Knicks made a good move. Uh, they recently have picked up and with some other moves, they I feel like improved their offense even further. Lost Evan Fournier, which is kind of a bummer, but. Uh, it's been kind of hot and cold, so I think it was a good move. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Fournier has tapered off in his production in recent years, Mm -hmm. so not as big of a loss. Grimes as well has been 
on and off. He's still a young player, but not a huge loss. I think they have space to bring in some of the potential buyout market guys, and they they bolster their bench. I'd give it B plus. I think it's a a very strong move. Um, the turning tides of the Knicks. It's like hey, smart front office moves. Not that they had terrible moves all the time in the past, but. They've been a little more rocky, and now they they are a team that's been red hot in the NBA, and now they're getting better with these type of moves. You know, I like it a lot. I think that's going to be a great move for them. A move I might, or a team I might like even more as far as their moves this trade deadline in the Dallas Mavericks. They added P.J. Washington, Daniel Gafford, and then they lost Grant Williams, Seth Curry, Rashawn Holmes, a 2027 first-round pick, and a 2028 pick swap. Wyatt, your thoughts on the Mavs? A minus. Okay. Uh, and really mostly just because of the pick, like future um like pick game. Mm. Yeah, if Otherwise, they could have give it an A. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I might even feel like an A could be decent even with the picks. Like a first, if that could have been a 2027 second pick somehow. Like a second rounder, yeah. then it would easily be A. So I'd probably lean the more A minus, but um, I feel like they just added, they just got a new starting front court, and it's a good balance. Washington's going to be an offensive guy, stretch the floor, scoring. Gafford, rebounding very strong, can block shots. So you've got a great balanced front court, potentially new starters there. And you gave up depth where, you know, Curry and Holmes weren't playing very much. Williams, wasn't meeting expectations you give up picks but i think it's a fantastic move a minus love what dallas did there i think they're going to be um they have a chance with that to be much improved um let's talk brooklyn interesting moves they added dennis Schroeder, thaddeus young jordan goodwin Bates diop and three second round picks losing spencer dinwiddie royce o'neill harry giles the third wyatt your thoughts on brooklyn yeah, I'm also thinking like A minus, maybe B plus for this one. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the Nets, um, you know, they got more players and they got picks out of the trade. Yes, they lost. Uh, you know, Dinwiddie's very solid, and so is, and o- O'Neal can be also. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they, I don't think they, uh, lost out terribly talent wise for what they got. Yeah, Schroeder can be great, you know. Yeah, I think Schroeder's still a productive player. I don't think the gulf between Dinwiddie and Schroeder is as large as people might think. Yeah, Um, they bring in they bring back Thaddeus Young after like eight years. He was in Brooklyn a while back. That's a fun side note. But yeah, they bring in the draft picks. You know, they they clear perhaps a bit of space, losing a a contract of of Spencer Dinwiddie. I think it's a good move for a team that, of course, we know they're kind of a rebuilding team. Um, clears up some space, perhaps. Again, interesting to see if these were expiring deals. I want to say um, Bates, Diop, and Goodwin were on like minimum deals, so that's not a big uh, contractual obliga- obligation. So I think it's a solid move. I'll run for Brooklyn. I'd probably say um, B, perhaps. I think it was a, a decent move. Um, let's talk Indiana. They added Doug McDermott and three second round picks. Of course, they lost Buddy Heald, two second round picks. Um, just a few transactions there. Wyatt, 
How do you feel about Indiana? D. Really? Yeah. Uh, Doug McDermott is, I mean, he can shoot the three Mm. sometimes, but not as well as Buddy Heald. And Buddy Heald has a lot of other strengths that Doug McDermott does not. Yeah. So they got a pick out of it. But I don't know. I think Indiana's been a, you know, kind of a contending team. They went far in the in-season tournament. And mm. I think Buddy Hill was a very important part of that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd probably go C minus. They got worse. And yeah, they get a draft pick. To me, it's not as bad because they bring in McDermott, who size wise, and he's a spot-up shooter still. I, I like him at the starting small forward. I don't know if he would quite start, but to me that makes more sense than Heald starting at the three, which is what they had. To me, yeah. Heald is a two-guard size-wise and skill-wise. I feel like that's where he fits best. They were stretching him to make the lineup work. I like McDermott as a little more of a natural fit alongside Siakam and those guys. So I don't completely hate it, but yeah, I think they did get worse, so... Um, I'd go with a C minus on that one. And then perhaps the busiest team, Detroit, added Simone Fontecchio, Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, Ryan Archdiagono, and four second round picks. Essentially, half the team, brand new guys, four second round picks. They lost half the team. Bayan Bogdanovich, Monte Morris, Alec Burks, Gallinari, Harris. Killian Hayes, all three of those guys just waived or bought out. Kevin Knox, draft rights to Gabriel Procida and two second-round picks. Wyatt, how do you feel Detroit ended up with all these moves and all these all this shakeup? Oh, C minus. Hmm. Maybe D plus. I I think that they lost uh, you know, some key, some good, you know, some good players. Hmm. But they're terrible this year. Um, yeah. So, you know, getting the four picks and, you know, picking up a couple of younger talent kind of guys, I think is beneficial for them. But they lost, uh, you know, they lost some of their offensive force and Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. Yeah. yeah. More, so. I would say either C minus or D plus because, yeah, they got younger. If you're talking overall offensive production, I feel like it was a big downgrade. Yeah. Um, and they didn't get a ton of draft capital to make up for it. You know, if you're making these type of moves and you end up with like eight draft picks additional to what you already had, that's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. You're still building. And you either use those draft picks as picks or you trade them for, you know, younger talent down the road or whatever it is. But they just didn't add a lot in the draft category and they just right. got worse offensively with slightly younger guys. I don't know. Not a huge fan of it at the moment, but we'll see how it all plays out. Um, Toronto, the Raptors, they added Kelly Olenek, Ochai Agbaji, lost Dennis Schroeder, Otto Porter Jr., Thaddeus Young, Kira Lewis Jr., and a 2024 first-round pick. Wyatt, your thoughts on Toronto? Uh I don't know, C minus. Okay. Um 
it's pretty even. I mean, I think that they, you know, Schroeder and Otto Porter Jr. Uh, definitely solid contributors, but Olenek and Abaji are good, you know. Mm. But then they also lost Thaddeus Young, uh, Kurt Lewis, and a first-round pick. So, mm. you know, especially that first-round pick definitely makes it feel like a C-minus max for me. Yeah, I would agree that in this upcoming draft to lose a first-round pick like that, no matter if it's going to be at the end of the first round, it's still the first round. Yeah, And they lose four guys, bring in two. You know, you get a little better compare Porter and Young to Olenek as far as your front court. I guess you get a little better. Agbaji is younger. I, I don't know. I I would probably go D-plus on this, honestly. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how. If something, if anything, it clears up point guard minutes for Emmanuel Quickly, who, of course, was a recent trade acquisition within the last uh, month or so, um, beginning of the year roundabout. So Quickly has an opportunity to play more minutes and he, you know, you see if he has a chance to prove, you know, more than a, a six man type of player. Um, otherwise, yeah, not super sold on this. Um, next, not a ton of moves for the Spurs. They added a 2029 second round pick for losing McDermott. Pretty quick one. I, I'd say um, C plus B minus why I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna call it like a C. Mm. Like they maybe could have got a little bit of a better pick for McDermott, but yeah. I don't know. Not necessarily though. So Yeah. I think I it's think, good for the Spurs. I think a C could be fair. I'll probably lean more C plus um as far as yeah, it's kind of a way in the future, late pick for McDermott. He still has value. Um, not terrible though. I mean, it's not going to be a hugely impactful move. Um, yeah. Of course, they're focused on the the youth down there. So, um, let's talk about Phoenix, the Suns. They added Royce O'Neal and David Roddy, losing Yuta Watanabe, Chimezi Metu, Kedavates Diop. Uh, I'm curious where you're going to lean on this because I'm kind of back and forth on these set of moves. Yeah, I I'm going to call it like a B minus. I think. Okay. I think uh, O'Neal. Could be a good contributor off the bench for the Suns, um, mm. adding some depth to a team that's, you know, got some decent depth, but maybe hasn't figured out, yeah, quite how to use it. Um, and then they lost, you know, three players compared to two, which I think actually could be good for the Suns as mm. far as freeing up some, uh, cap space maybe. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they're going to be active on the buyout market. Um, as far as, yeah, O'Neal, you add him to the Suns with a guy like Josh Okogie. That gives you some physical, active, more defensive leaning forwards to pair with, you know, the scoring of the big three and all that. I like that aspect yeah. of it. But I have, you know, the Suns were spreading themselves thin to try and have a full roster at the beginning of the season. You know, guys like True. Bates, Bates Diop and Watanabe, um, Jordan Goodwin were brought in on minimum deals to just fill out a roster because they had to give up so many players 
last season and the season for Durant, and then even more in the offseason for Bradley Beal. So now they just started to kind of build that back up. Now they give up more players to bring in O'Neal. That aspect, you know, even if they wanted to go deep, they can't because they they only have 13 players right now, not counting two-way guys. So I'd go C+. Um, You know, I just... I wish they had some more guys, but if they make a big move on the buyout market, that could flip this, you know, because then you're improving your depth on the second layer and the third layer. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, Okay, the Oklahoma City Thunder, one of the top teams in the NBA, added Gordon Hayward in a 2028 pick swap. They lost Trey Mann, Davis Bertans, Vasily Micic, 2024 first-round pick, and draft compensation. Wyatt, where are you leaning on the Thunder? Um, I'm gonna call it a C. I, really? Yeah, I mean, Hayward's production's been great this year, mm. except for he hasn't played since December. You know, he's been dealing with that calf strain like mm. all year. But when he's in, when he's playing, he's great. Yeah. Um, and then they got the pick squad, which is good. But I feel like they lost to get that. I lost a lot to get that. You know, Trey Mann, Burton's. Uh, mm. You know, and a first round draft pick this year. Yeah. Which, if, especially if Hayward's just going to continue to be injured all year, you know, which I don't think he will be, but it seems like yeah. they've up a lot and they were, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing well. It's not like they needed to make a major course correction. So, yeah. That's my thoughts. Yeah, fair enough. I'd probably lean more C plus for a couple of reasons. Um, Man and Bertans and Micic especially weren't huge parts of the rotation. So it's a lot of players, but it's not as big of an impact. Um, or at least it doesn't seem like it would be. And then the 2024 first, if, if it's any other team, yeah, I'm with you. It's a big loss. But when you're the Thunder and you have so many accumulated draft picks, it's ridiculous how many draft picks the Thunder have. That is yeah. lessened a little bit. Um, yeah, that's fair. And then with Hayward, even if he is injured still, that is a valid point for sure. That's my first thought with any Hayward-related thing. It's like, okay, well, can he stay healthy? Which sucks because I hate that, and he's a great player when he plays. But even if he's injured for stretches, he's a veteran presence and has you know experience and knowledge of the game. He brings that to a very young team. And he's played at a high level. He's played on playoff teams. So I think that is beneficial to have that voice in a locker room and a guiding presence for a team that has been very good this year. Um, In the playoffs, they're going to need some of those type of voices and experience to lean on. So I think in a number of ways, I like it. I've kind of talked myself even into a a B minus here. I think it was a solid move. Again, they played well. They didn't necessarily need to make a move. Bringing in a veteran, I like that a lot for their roster this season. So um, let's talk Minnesota. Uh, They added Monty Morris, lost Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr. in a 2030 second round pick. Um, Another top team in the NBA and in the West. Smaller move. Your thoughts here on on this transaction? Yeah, I give it like a B minus. I think Monty Monty Morris is a good addition to the Timberwolves and I don't feel like they lost that much for him. Yeah, I would agree. Um, 
Troy Brown kind of had not been meeting the expectations after a, a, a better year last year with the Lakers. And then Milton, I had seen a lot of fans discontent with his play as well, um, more so than Brown. You bring in a a point guard who has great experience with Denver and uh, could be some good value for the Timberwolves at that backup point guard spot. I think that helps them out a lot, especially because I think they've had stretches this year without Mike Conley and they've had to start Nikhil Alexander-Walker at point guard, which isn't the worst, but he's definitely not a natural point type player. So uh, that's a big, big help for them, I think. Um, excuse me. For Portland, uh, these last few couple of quick hitters, uh, Portland added Delano Banton and lost a second round pick. Um, quick thought here. I would say like a, a C plus. I mean, they bring in another younger guy, see what he can do with more minutes, more opportunity, but eh, I don't know. Yeah, that's same. C, C plus. I don't think it matters really. Yeah, fair enough. If he goes on to become a future all-star, we're going to look pretty bad. Yep, but, that's true. Um, Don't do a sturdy band. He, he's been in the league for a few seasons. <laughs> Don't think that's quite going to happen, but it could. Who knows? Um, the Golden State Warriors, they added a second-round pick and gave up uh, Corey Joseph. Um, again, C-plus. Actually, maybe C-plus, B-minus. I mean, Joseph really wasn't part of the rotation uh, very much. They clear up a, a roster spot. Maybe they're active at the 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 buyout market, and they they add a draft pick. That's a fairly decent move. Yeah, same. I'd be minus or so. Yeah, they yeah, fair enough. Gained something, nothing crazy, but <laughs> didn't really lose you. So, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, and then finally, Washington, the Wizards, they added Rashawn Holmes in the twenty twenty four first round pick, giving up Daniel Gafford in the process. Uh, why your thoughts on this one? I'll give it like a B minus. I mean, they lost more than they, they lost more talent than they gained, mm. but they also got a draft pick and they're terrible this year. So I think it's good. I think it was mutually beneficial for both uh, teams. Yeah, I would agree a lot. I'd say even B just because Washington for so long was in the Hornets and Bulls category of, you know, they had Bradley Beal and they were, winning some games just because of him uh, and, you know, one or two other guys. But now they're finally getting with the program of, hey, we need to kind of give up talent sometimes to have the chance Mm -hmm. to get, you know, talent with a much higher ceiling. Um, So I like that a lot. They give up Gafford. They're going to be worse without him, but that's kind of the whole point. You get the draft pick. You're going to be drafting probably in the top three, or you should be in this upcoming draft. Um I won't be surprised if they continue to clear out, you know, guys like Kuzma and Poole. You know, I did have a prediction. I thought they would give up potentially Kyle Kuzma around the trade deadline. Didn't quite happen this year. Wouldn't be surprised if that happened in the offseason. Poole has not been a a fan favorite in Washington. Did you see the clip? of (laughs) He was, uh, yeah, jacks up another three. Like zero points yesterday. Yeah. Fans start raining in the booze. Uh, he has not been well received in Washington, which is unfortunate because he had you know great years in Golden State. But anyways, they'll probably continue to give up some of those guys to have the chance to have those draft picks and bring in greater future talent. But 
that is it for the team specific talk. Let's real quick just hit on some of these free agents. Um, again, Spencer Dinwiddie, Marcus Morris, Danilo Gallinari, Joe Harris, Victor Oladipo, Killian Hayes, Daniel Haas Jr., Robin Lopez, James Booknight, Corey Joseph, Furkan Korkmaz, and Harry, Harry Giles the third. All those guys now free agents uh, at the end of all these trade deadline maneuvers. Let's maybe do it this way. Why? What's one free agent that you would like to see? Uh, like, is, are there any teams that you feel like would benefit, especially from adding one of these types of guys? And that might be a bit spur of the moment to kind of think in that regard. I would, to get us kind of started on that role uh, or on that topic, looking back for Phoenix, I would kind of be interested to see if they could bring in a um, either a Dinwiddie or a Marcus Morris or even a Danilo mm-hmm. Gallinari. You know, Dinwiddie would give them a much more solid backup point. Um, they... I mean, they have Damian Lee, but he's been injured this whole season and doesn't have a timetable, at least last I checked, to return. So they have Beal, Booker, and Allen, all natural shooting guards. So, excuse me, if you can bring in Dinwiddie, he's still a scoring guard, but he's played the point. I think that would benefit him. If not him, they bring in Morris, gives him better size as a backup forward. Right now, outside of O'Neal and Durant, who could be projected starters. Maybe O'Neal comes off the bench, but outside of that, the next biggest that's not your backup center is like Josh Okogie or Nasir Little. So I would like to see them get a little bit more size. So there's a couple ideas for a team like Phoenix that's definitely going to be aggressive and, and do their due diligence. Wyatt, do you maybe have a thought on another player or two in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I think Oladipo would be valuable to a lot of teams just if he could st- stay healthy you know that's mm. that's obviously the kicker like i think about him like uh with the nuggets you know mm. uh coming off the bench behind murray or even running alongside him mm. um kind of gives him another strong guard and the pelicans i've thought about him with the pelicans too but you know then they have two big guys in Williamson and Oladipo well, mm-hmm. and even uh, Clark who have injuries a lot, you know? Yeah. So then they're, they're either like great with all their guys healthy or terrible because all their guys are injured. So I don't know, but I think yeah. Oladipo would be valuable for a lot of teams. Yeah, I would agree. And again, yeah, the injury thing is the question, but if he can be healthy, he could be a big benefit, especially as a backup combo guard for a team. Yeah, I like the Nuggets mentioned. Um, other teams to mention in that category, kind of a segue here, three notable teams. Of course, there was 10 or so teams that were not involved in trade deadline moves. But some of those teams like the uh, the Clippers or um, the Cavaliers have been some of the best teams. So it's like you definitely don't want to mess with a good thing. But teams like the Chicago Bulls, for example, had players like Zach Levine uh, and or DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, that could have been valuable players in the, the market. Didn't quite happen with Atlanta. Oh. Excuse me. I feel like DeJounte Murray was the most talked about possible trade asset for a team like the Lakers or someone else to bring in. 
didn't quite happen. And mm-hmm. speaking of the Lakers, they didn't make any moves as far as bringing in players when that was a big talking point, cryptic messages from LeBron and so on and so <laughs> forth. So, um, you know, maybe we go that direction and let's combine that with, again, potential buyouts with those Hornets moves you're going to likely see or have a chance to see Seth Curry, Davis Bertans. Um, there's all those free agents. There's, um, there's another name I was just thinking of that could be in that mix, but um, why let's maybe go Lakers here. I'll get your quick take on what the Lakers end up doing as far mm-hmm. as trying to, you know, are they going to try and make any big moves? Do you think, are they going to, do their due diligence on the buyout market. If they do, what kind of player might they bring in? What are your thoughts on, on the Lakers perhaps? Yeah, I don't know. I could see him bringing in a Dinwiddie type. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was discussion of trading D'Angelo Russell. I think that was talked about a lot leading mm-hmm. up to the trade deadline. Um, So, you know, them having kept him and then also having, um, Reeves, Austin Reeves still. Um, they've got guards, mm. but I think I think Dinwiddie might be a little more... Mm, I don't know. The more I think about it, the less I'm sold on Dinwiddie to the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, of course, we're talking about this <laughs> without having, you know, the, the numbers in front of us as far as if it's even viable. Um, yeah, true. So we're just going on. They figure out some way to make it work. But I mean, Dinwiddie would give him some versatility. He's a bigger guard, so he could, you know, fit at Run a few different two, spots. Yeah, yeah, he could two, maybe even the three if you really want to, you know, small ball it. But, um, you know, with especially with Gabe Vincent being injured, I think that could be like Vincent's barely played this year. He's been in and out with yeah. injuries, mostly out. So, Adding a guard like Dinwiddie or maybe even down the line Oladipo, if that was something they wanted to do. Killian Hayes, a younger guard. Um, Book Knight, you know. These wouldn't be major additions, but it would at least be something to try and give them just a touch more depth and flexibility to work with. Um, And they could also go forward if they wanted, you know, Vanderbilt's out right now with injury as well. So maybe a compromise, you bring in Marcus Morris, they had Markeith a few years back, but they bring in Marcus to try and make yeah. up for some of that with with a tougher presence. Um, or even Robin Lopez. Yeah, Robin Lopez would give him just a little bit more to work with. I don't know. It's tough. Um, some of the same reasons that they didn't make a, a trade deadline move might impact them being active on the buyout market again as far as numbers. We just don't know if, that's, if it's going to be as viable, but um, it's interesting. And with Bulls and Atlanta, it is interesting that they didn't make a move. Maybe they're waiting till the offseason to um, either go one of two ways or one of three ways, I guess. Um, the, if they're staying the course, then it would just be, you know, stand pat, not make any big moves and hope to slide into a play-in type spot next year. Um, yeah. If they blow it up, then DeJounte Murray goes somewhere big. Uh, Zach Levine ends up somewhere, DeMar DeRozan. Um, 
or they find some way to add talent, but I just don't know what they have to work with there. So it's intriguing. Um, end of season for the Lakers is going to be much more intriguing to watch than, of course, Atlanta and Chicago. But either way, it's it'll be interesting to see how the, the rest of the season plays out. As a uh, a closing question for us today, why, who won the trade mm-hmm. deadline, in your opinion? It could be a player. It could be a team. Um, it could be a team that wasn't involved. Uh, who won the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd probably expect that you're on the same page here with the Mavericks winning. Mm. Um, I I mean, I think that Knicks also won, um, but I think the Mavericks edged them out a little bit as far as overall um, success in their Mm. last-minute trades. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good pick. Um, I would concur. But I would also add a team just for the sake of giving us a little more. A team that wasn't involved at all, the Cleveland Cavaliers. If you think about Boston, Philly, and Milwaukee, all made moves of some sort. And I might be reading too much into this, but if I'm Cleveland, if I'm a Cavalier, if I'm in that organization, we've been a red-hot team, and the organization believes in us and what we've got. They didn't want to shake anything up. They like our makeup. We're confident right now. We've just moved up to the second seed in the East. And, you know, it's going to be tough to catch Boston, but they're in a great spot right now. Mitchell is playing at an MVP level, you know, dark horse MVP type candidate. They just got back Garland and Mobley. They've got a great thing going. I like them kind of staking with what they've got at the trade deadline, not shaking things up. And um, I'm curious to see what they can do in the playoffs. I think they're going to be one of the the more exciting teams to watch uh, come playoff time. So that's just an additional pick as far as a team uh, that had a good end result of the trade deadline. But otherwise, I think that's going to wrap it up for today's show. Let me real quick see if I can grab the one thing I forgot for us, a this day in history fact. And February 8th, let me see if I can pull one up for us. Um, excuse me. Uh, we've got a few to work with. Um, a lot of all-star related uh, moments. We've got... Well, let's go with this one. This is a great one. February 8th of 1986, five foot seven Spud Webb of the Atlanta Hawks scored two perfect scores of 50 to beat teammate Dominique Wilkins in Spud's hometown of Dallas during the Nestle Crunch slam dunk contest. The AT&T shootout debuted with Larry Bird capturing the crown. Two very notable uh, all-star weekend moments in NBA history. And I think that's a great way for us to close it out. Thank you again for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll, of course, be back tomorrow uh, with a little bit of an expanded Friday episode since we didn't do a Wednesday episode. Why? any closing remarks before we uh, wrap things up? Uh, no, I'm just excited to see how these new NBA teams look going forward in the season. Maybe not the Jazz, but, you know, <laughs> most of them. Yeah, we're we're holding our breath with the Jazz, but otherwise very interesting to yeah. see 
what will happen with the remaining teams. But otherwise, that's it for us. Thanks again for listening. And we'll be back with you tomorrow. <laughs>